Welcome to Half Measures Podcast with me, Paul Canara, and my co-host Dan Whiting. Dan, we're back again. There was a deep welcome, Paul. It was it was kind of um, late night radio host, like a little bit. I know. I don't know. Am I getting? It was, it was in prison. I feel like I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. It's like it's almost too formal. I should yeah, maybe maybe just dial it back. Should we start well, again? Nah, we, we committed. Start, this... We never start again, do we? If we started again, there'd be no episodes of this podcast out. <laughs> We would never have done a single episode. Yeah, yeah, yep. Back again. Still in lockdown. Still in level three. It's it's looking like we could be coming into level two in the in the next couple of weeks. We'll find out next week, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah, it could be a, a whole new world. Haircuts, if, if that's your bag. It is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care if I have to go to if I have to go to a hairdresser and they have to wear the the PPE protective equipment to cut my hair. Then so be it. I just I need some sort of cut. It's outrageous. I feel like um, you know I kind of get the sense that people are going to have to you know a minimum number or, or you know a maximum number of people in stores, and you know like when I was in London, like outside that like the real high end stores, uh, like the Gucci's, the Louis Vuittons, and they have people mm. queue up outside the store regardless. So they only like accept so many people in the store at a time. I feel like every store in New Zealand's gonna be like that. Like you wanna go and buy a whatever, can't even think of anything. You have to queue up. Queues. There'll be queues everywhere. That's what we do now. The one thing I you like the one thing I like about lockdown, other than lockdown and working from home, is parcels. I love getting parcels. Oh, now. yeah. Just... I'm all about that, too. In fact, I was just thinking to myself, I need some more parcels coming. I need that next mm. week. It's a real highlight to sort of see what's going to turn up. I've got one one turn up, Transformer, uh, which is uh, oh. kind of it's supposed to be uh, like for, for my daughter. It's kind of like because she's getting into it. But truly, it's mine. So What, um, what Transformer? Our first, first one to arrive is a Starscream. Um, so, are we talking G G one or? It's a G one. So it's the Earthrise, the war for Cybertron right. Earthrise. Right. So, um, yeah, I'll have to post some pictures of it. It's uh, it's 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 pretty cool. And uh, we've also got a an Earthrise G one Optimus Prime <laughs> coming next week, I think. So, uh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, these things are needed, right? In lockdown. I'm so glad that um, that your daughters really embrace, like you know, obviously your sons embrace Star Wars, your daughters embrace Transformers. Like, what more could you want? She's she's filling in the gaps of the things that he's not been into. She's really got into. So this is the like, if we're gonna, should we jump straight into what have we been watching? Yeah, should, should I think we jump so. In? Uh, I'm, I'll kick it off with, with with Transformers. It's been carrying on every day, and it's now got to the point where she's reminding me, or like when when I say goodnight to her, she'll say, oh. Daddy, I can't wait to watch Transformers in the morning. It is literally, this is as good as life will ever get for me, I think, with all these things going on. Because, you know, in a, in a couple of years, she won't be saying that. So it's it's fantastic. So we're... Are you going to move out of... Are you going to move out of the um, the G one era into the you know the various other forms of Transformers? Because I imagine you must be running out of content almost. Yeah, we've only got well, we've got a couple of seasons left to go, plus the movie. You know, the movie that sort of sat between, I think, season three and four, mm. I think. Um, then we can go into the Headmasters. We can go into Transformers Prime. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff there, so I'm I'm excited to keep it going. And this is this has become my morning routine that I don't want to break. Awesome. So apart from watching um, Transformers in the morning, what else have you been watching? Yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to run through it pretty quickly. Money Heist, the finale, that final episode of season four. I'm going to recommend to you right now that you watch that season because it's a pretty unexpected ending. It leaves you really on a cliffhanger. It's not a like it's not a clean ending like how they've done the other stories. And so it's sort of they've set it up quite nicely for a fifth season, which I presume must be coming. Uh, because of the way they ended it. Uh, the Seinfeld rewatch continues each night. Always fantastic. I mean, I could talk about that for hours. Uh, the other thing I'm, we finished um, is Homeland. Um, so we watched the final three episodes of Homeland. I'm going to go on the record here, and I don't often go on the record, but this Homeland finale was the greatest live-action television series finale of all time. It was that good. I can't wait to check it out. That I, sounds really gonna, good. I'm not going to talk spoilers. 
I mean, it's I, this. I say it, it even pushes ahead of the Breaking Bad finale, which for me up until now has always been probably the the, the strongest. Although I guess I'm going to see it again on my rewatch of Breaking Bad, so maybe I'll reassess when I get there. I've actually got a, a Homeland um, problem with a small p in the sense that so. Um, I need to watch season seven and season eight of Homeland. And um, my partner wants to start watching Homeland from the beginning because she's only seen the first two seasons. And I kind of like the idea of starting from the beginning. But with, you know, I feel like, you know, being part of Half Measures, it's important to be, you know, watching new content as well. And so I, I don't know, do I have the time to go back to season one? Do we just go down separate paths? Do we, you know, watch in, a, watch in different spaces? I think I, we might have to. I don't, I don't know if I can do season one. It's uh, too far back. It is a long way. But, but I, I, for me, I love a rewatch and I love, I, I always enjoy more of those, you know, if I'm watching with Diana, it's a lot more enjoyable because you can talk about it straight afterwards and then I can share straight away. But Do you think Homeland is a rewatch, rewatchable show? Oh, yeah. I would. Uh, if I had all the time in the world, that would be one of the first shows I'd look at rewatching. Really rewatchable. Maybe I consider it. Maybe I change my stance. Maybe I loosen up. Loosen up the rules and regulations. Good. Yeah, let's, let's, let's have some less uh, less rules in the house. Like it's, it's one of those shows where I think, and I think we've talked about this before, so I'll be brief. People got really hyped about it in the first two seasons because of the the Brody story with Damien Lewis, and then of course he went out of the show, and so a lot of people thought that was it was kind of like when Rick Rick went out of the Walking Dead. It's like oh, so the star of the show is gone. Well, the star of the show hadn't gone as far as I was concerned because Kerry and Saul together. They're the star. Oh, look, I agree. Um, we had the, the exact conversation this morning, um, and I think one of the reasons she she may have stopped watching was actually because it kind of felt strange to her that I guess what she considered the main the main actor to have left the show. Um, and yeah, so I agree with you. I, I think um, Claire Danes is such a a great plays such a great character that yeah. she's always been the lead. One one of the greatest actresses on TV, and uh, I can't wait until we do the the Half Measures Emmys towards the end of the year when we come out with Best best Actress, because it's going to be a real tough call when you think about Ray Seahorn and Better Call Saul. There's been a few really good performances this year. so uh, That is going to be tough. That's going to be a a really tough episode. Mm. Not everyone's going to be happy. We we may offend some people, so uh, we'll look forward to that. But just quickly on Homeland, if you exclude season three, I actually believe this is one of the shows where each season got better than the last, and season eight certainly lived up to that. So that's been that's been a fantastic rewatch this week. Um, I took a recommendation from you, uh, as I always do, and watched uh, the platform. Quite an extraordinary are you, movie. Are you okay? Uh, definitely, as you discussed, need that palette cleanser straight afterwards because it's a very uh like you said a social commentary on the on the classes uh, you know in society it was uh, a really interesting concept really disturbing in places and the most i guess we're talking spoilers the most bizarre of endings yeah yeah have you given much thought to what the what the ending means i hate the way you're putting the question on me first because i i remember sort of seeing the credits roll and thinking this isn't a Marvel movie. There's not going to be something at the end of these credits and thinking, is it up to me now to, to try and work out what the message was going to be? Like there seemed to be so much build up to understanding what the moral was, what the meaning was. And then that never transpired. And then you never got to see any sort of resolution. And I've I'd had a look online. There's a lot of people uh, talking saying, what was that? It was a great, but I don't understand what it meant at the end. Uh, my wife, you know, we both had a similar sort of thought. Was like it was one of those movies, right? Well, I think that's kind of the. There's something I like about those sorts of movies where it's such a, a kind of unique um, piece of film, almost sort of art. And I like a movie that leaves you kind of thinking about it for you know days, weeks afterwards. And actually, um, there becomes a whole bunch of different theories online. I've read some kind of interesting ones myself. I'm definitely nowhere near smart enough to come up with some of these theories on my own. But the the one that I read, which really sort of resonated with me, um, once people kind of explained it to me in a in a preschool setting, is with the the child the child at the end actually like you know going back up the elevator, 
um, basically that as a society we we often put a lot of um, I don't know we we lift our children up above anything else and they and they're sort of the ones that to carry on so almost kind of the lifting up of the child is the yeah so that that's sort of the the deeper meaning that that sort of stuck with me and I thought oh, that, that that kind of makes sense it definitely wasn't the ending I expected but I can kind of see where they're going with it. No, I hadn't thought of it like that. The movie, as you say, definitely did stick with me, and I can still hear that noise uh, each time the platform starts moving. I, I can still hear that that noise yeah, kick. Yeah. That was a really uh, well done sound. Um, look, I mean, overall, for the listeners, I recommend watching it. It doesn't. It's like only an hour and a half or so. It's a real easy watch. Um, I'm really getting into. Uh, some foreign language movies now. Uh, I think uh, the, the quality for me seems really, really high on the things that are coming through on Netflix. So I'm really, it's a, it's a different type of watch. And I'm getting, the more I do it, the more I get used to it. Awesome. So is that all you've been watching? That's, that's your list? Well, the only other thing Mostly. I've been watching is something, I feel like I'm hugging, I said it was going to be quick, but the, uh, the other show I watched following a recommendation from you off air was Breeders. Um, oh, yes, yeah, yep. And that could be a, a, another one for us to talk about maybe once I've got to the end of that season. But yeah, I'm six episodes in and we we have found it very, very funny. And at the same time, we found it very, very dark. So for anyone who hasn't seen Breeders, it's about two people struggling with being a parent and basically sort of saying you'll do anything to protect your kids. But at the same time, you pretty much want to kill them all the time because they're just so annoying. And it's uh, what's your take? Yeah, so um, I kind of randomly came across this show just looking for something new to watch. Um, and when I sort of had Martin Freeman in it, I was kind of interested. And sort of the the first episode really hooks you in really quickly. And I think it's one of those great shows where, I, you know, I guess the premise being people with, with young kids, with family, and trying to do the best they can, but it's not always that easy. And the things that go on behind closed doors are often quite different to pub, uh, what goes on in public. Um, and I, it's only 10 episodes. Each episode's relatively short, but it's it's not just a comedy. Like it's, it's, it's a bit, quite a bit deeper than that. And definitely, uh-huh. I think we should, once you've finished it, let's, let's do a bit of a dive into it and have a bit of a chat. But if you're looking for a new, a new show, but I think it probably resonates probably even more if you've got, if you've got, children potentially oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let everyone in on a little sort of insight when we were watching the show we literally had the kids or one of them at least running into the room whilst we were trying to watch it and we were trying to get them out and it was like the frustration of like surely you can give us just half an hour to ourselves just to do something and it was like the the, the pain of what we were trying to do in real life was then mirrored by what we were watching as they were trying to get their kids to go to bed and um Look, Martin Freeman does comedy really, really well. And I can't think of a comedy that I've seen him in since The Office. And so it's been really No, that's right. And not only is it welcome to see him in a comedy, but also he plays opposite um, Patrick um, Bellati, who used to be in The Office as well as uh, Neil Godwin, the office, uh, the, um, the manager who came in. So seeing those two back together was quite nice as well. It actually reminds me a little bit of, it's nothing like this, but... A little bit of Fargo sort of humor in there as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lightly, lightly, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, look, it's a good show. Uh, if you're looking for it in in New Zealand, it's on Neon uh, or Sky or whatever is your whatever is your jam. Um, so yeah, so I've watched um all of Breeders. It was a it was a bit of a binge watch for me. Um, I've I've actually watched quite a few things this week. I often surprise myself, I guess, with how much I've actually watched, which is both disturbing um anyway uh so i finished bosch season five uh, which was which was really good so and we started season six so we're not quite halfway but yeah so this is the latest season of bosch which is which is quite good um i think still to date my probably favorite season of bosch would be season four um is that the one with the uh, cable car or uh yes, I think it was the cable car. Yeah. Yep. Um I based on your the the peer pressure that you put on me in the last episode, have got back into watching Star Wars Rebels. Good. Um so making a bit more of a dent and still in season one on that, but it's that's really good. 
Um, we've been, you would have heard me talk about it before. We've been constantly, we've been watching The Office, I, I feel like for at least 18 months as a, a, a show we watch while we eat dinner or our, our palate cleanser. And we actually just last night finished, finished The Office. Um, so season nine of The Office, all done and dusted. And it's such a, um, it's such a great show and it's so heartfelt that ending that, and I was saying to uh, my partner that oh, we'll be back. We'll be back to watch this again. Um, don't don't feel too sad about it. We'll we'll see these people. They're our friends. Nice. Um, so looking for what's going to be our our next palate cleanser. There, um, I watched the. I just saw last night on on Netflix actually accidentally that the the new episode of Rick and Morty was out, hmm. um, which is the second half of season four. So watch that, um, and I guess the. The other big thing I've watched, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode, is I've had to catch up on the latest episode of Clone, latest episodes of uh, Clone Wars, Fantastic. which I can't wait to talk about. But I'm going to just I'm going to hold back for a moment. Good, yeah, I can't wait to dive into that as well. Um, speaking of The Office, though, did you see that there is a, a trailer out for the new? Uh, a new show called Space Force, which is uh, basically got it's got Steve Carell. It's um, produced by um, the same um, people from The Office. It's coming this, out at the end of May. I did indeed. This looks like something which it just looks like it ticks just about every box. There's a comedy. There's some sci-fi in there. There's well, I don't know about sci-fi, but you know, space travel and Steve Carell and some other. Fantastic casting. Some huge names in there. Like we've got um, Ben Schwartz, who was obviously in uh, Parks and Recreation, yep. John Malkovich, Lisa Kudrow from Friends, uh, Jane Lynch from um, God, I can't think of the high school. High school. I want to say high school. She's been in other things, but you know, so so many big names. It's great. The trailer. The trailer doesn't give away too much. So if you want to watch it and see if it might be for you, I'd recommend it. Um, it just looks like the writing, and I think because they've got the people from the office involved, I just have a, a real sense of um, safety, of reassurance that this is going to be high quality. Yeah, I think um, just on that Jane Lynch thing, I, it's actually Glee was the program I was trying to think of. But ah. anyway, half, half measure, what can you expect? Exactly. I think it's, um, it's going to be one of those shows which I imagine people will have uh, – an office level bar set for how good the show needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I think with the shows like this, you kind of need to let them kind of percolate and brew and let the characters build because, you know, the, the office, you know, when you think about the office, the US version, um, season one, not, not that great, but you know, as someone who's just finished season nine for you know the third or fourth time in my life, like such great characters. And I think, mm-hmm. I imagine the show is probably going to get a hard time when it first comes out, but uh, hopefully over time it kind of grows into another loved palate cleanser. Sure, it will be, and uh, I think most of the the audience will be patients. If they're patients, sorry, if they if they've come from an office background, they know that the the series, just as with the office, just got better and better over time. So uh, yeah, very exciting. And I, I'm just read that the series is actually loosely based on Donald Trump's grand plan for the military in space. So already, it's a comedy. Look, I imagine screenwriters in America have got um, pencil and paper at the ready on a daily basis for some of the uh, interesting things that are coming out of America yep. over the last uh, several months or even on a daily basis. So should well, be interesting. Yeah. should be a fun time. should be a commentary on what's going on around the world. So, Paul, I hear that um, we've got a bit of info in the mailbag this week. Yes, we did. So um, social media manager, as always, put out a couple of uh, uh, tweets and, a, and an Instagram post uh, for the for the latest episode of Half Measures podcast, podcast. And uh, we got a uh, we got a, a like and a retweet from Ethan Lawrence, who um, played uh, James in Afterlife, the, the son. Uh, so that Amazing. was absolutely superb. Charlie Hansen, the uh, the Golden Globe and BAFTA winning producer for. Um, Afterlife for David Brent, Life on the Road for Extras. He retweeted us, uh, so that was absolutely amazing. And then we also got a, a retweet from Joe Hartley, uh, who played um, the mum. And so she got our numbers right up there as well. And then Peter Egan, who played Paul, 
who was the owner of the of the, of the Tambury Gazette, he retweeted us as well. So we got a lot of numbers coming through. I think I think that's everyone who. Oh no, there was another one. Sorry, we also got retweeted by Ricky Gervais himself. Look what I did there. Look at the build up. Um, never heard of him. Never heard of him. Heard of him? He's he's won a couple of Emmys and BAFTAs and, and things. Uh, yeah, he retweeted our, uh, our review tweet to his fourteen point three million followers. So uh, some of the, the social media manager had to put their phone on silence because it was just vibrating across the dining room table like crazy because there was so much traffic coming through. We had well over half a million people viewed that tweet and hundreds of likes, heaps of retweets and heaps of people going through to our profile and hopefully I think you've got some news on the listeners spiking as well. Yeah, look, our, our listener count's definitely on the rise. Um, so Look, keep doing what you're doing. Keep telling your your friends that you're listening to the Half Mrs. Podcast. Get them involved. Subscribe. Leave a, a review. Um, it's 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 nothing but nothing but up from here for us. That's right. And on the subject of reviews, I did see we had one review come through as well, um, which was which five stars, which I presume is out of five. So that's that's pretty good uh, from <laughs> uh, our colleague on Twitter at What's the Prime uh, Ash. So uh, thanks for the review. Yeah, thanks, Ash. It's really good. It really helps us sort of get the word out there, keep, keep the lights on, keep our social media manager and milkshakes and cream eggs and whatever whatever keeps them motivated. That's right. So, yeah, so pretty exciting. I think the challenge was laid down to get a like from Ricky Gervais, so to get the uh, the retweet was 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 pretty cool for a, a half-measure podcast, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, what are we going to talk about today, Paul? Just a, uh, a little little indie project. Just a little indie project. I'm so excited. I mean, I get excited about everything we talk about because, of course, we choose the content, but there's something very special when it comes to this one, which is Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7, the final four episodes of this incredible animated Lucasfilm production. Now, I think before we get too deep into it, I have to, I guess, make a... I've kind of done this in a, in a really weird way, which isn't normally the way that like I'm a real. I will go back to episode one, season one. I'm not a. I jump in at any point, um, but based on your recommendation, Paul, I I finished Clone Wars up to the end of season six. Mm-hmm. I then went over to Rebels. Um, haven't been able to get through that as quickly, not because it's not good, just because there's been other stuff on the go. Um, but now, obviously, they've released season seven of Clone Wars, and these last four episodes have been so hyped and so talked about that I kind of felt like, and you know, I think you, your, your recommendation really sealed the deal. Jump in, watch them, so that we could have a conversation about them today. And oh my god! Look, I think you did the right thing because there's been so much press about this whether it's uh, been online or or otherwise that there's one thing i hate is people spoiling things that are dear to my heart um this is why i go to the midnight sessions of movies i love not because i'm desperate to be first in line but because i don't want someone to spoil it so i think the fact that we're able to talk about it now and i think we should obviously at this point warn anyone who's got any intention of watching the show and doesn't want spoilers to probably um pause this episode at this point and come back at a later time because i think we need to do it justice by talking about, you know, what really happens in these episodes, right? Yeah, definitely. So, look, as someone, so I haven't obviously seen the this uh, twelve episodes in the season. Um, I've only seen the final four, and and I was a little bit nervous, but wasn't going to miss anything. But it was really easy to jump yeah. in and, and watch those episodes. Um, it was probably some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen. And it really it, it was just so good the the score the mm. just some of those key moments and and what happened in those episodes and I think you know, we'll probably go through it a in a a bit more of a broken down detail but it really just got me in the feels like it was it was so good it it definitely could have been a a movie I yeah. I, I, I was just, in, I, I, I just really enjoyed it. I, I can't speak highly enough. And it's, it's, it almost could be, even if you don't know much else about um, the Clone Wars, 
it's definitely and you know how they sort of that short list of like you must watch the episodes these, these are at the top these are at the top of the list like, exactly they're so right. good exactly right i mean and, and when, sorry no you go ahead and i think when yeah when clone wars was i think clone wars is a um as a throughout its seasons has had some ups and downs and when clone wars is at its peak like you like you know it and you feel it and the dialogue's good and the um, the animation's really sharp and it's it's just kind of that bringing of bringing together of the Star Wars universe and this was more of that greatness that could have gone so wrong do you know what I mean like it, like it could have been a oh did we need that but this this was the this was exactly what was needed it was the cherry on top it closed um, some chapters and I can't wait to talk about them. It was the cherry on the top, and it, it goes to show that fan pressure can lead to some great things sometimes. Because you know the, the Clone Wars, when it when it finished, you know six seven years ago, um, it didn't really finish on a proper ending, and you know there was so much sort of outrage from the fans of you know we've been cheated, and it was around the time that Disney took over as well, and so I think there was a little bit of resentment there, and then of course Rebels came out, and um, coming back to Clone Wars, the guys, the production guys, Dave Filoni and co, just at the top of their game in terms of everything you've just talked about, the writing, the music, everything, it just felt so perfectly come together. I think also the work they've done on The Mandalorian has given them a bit more experience and they've dived in a bit more. I think all of those things came together perfectly. And look, you should never have favourites amongst your children as a parent and when I look at Rebels and I look at Clone Wars I keep chopping and changing between the two whenever I watch one I think oh no that this is my favourite I, I just don't know that anything can touch these these four episodes that we're talking about right now it's really really that high quality and I guess for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it and doesn't care enough to, to sort of watch it or doesn't care about spoilers to sort of give it the context what it does is it crosses the line between the end of the Clone Wars and then it runs concurrent with events as they transpire in Revenge of the Sith. And I think that's something we haven't done before. The moment, so so coming in at um, at the episode um, Old, Friend, Old Friends Not Forgotten, hmm. um, and I think it's, it's not all about, uh, is it the... Is it shattered or is it in the Phantom Apprentice where that, that timeline kind of like yeah. starts running in parallel? My heart just about skipped a beat. And like I, I knew that that was coming. I knew that they were obviously going to um, get in sync with what was happening in Revenge of the Sith. But as soon as um, mm. Obi-Wan and Anakin were off on these separate missions, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is happening at the same yeah. time as Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and yeah, so good. And, it's a real fanboy um, moment. It's a real fanboy I, moment. I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but so my girlfriend's in the next scene, um, and there's a scene where one of the many scenes where Darth Maul's in there, and she's like, "Oh, but we all know he dies in um, the Phantom Menace anyway." It's like, get out, get out. Do you even understand the timeline? Do you? Do you? This is this is outrageous. This is that's sacrilege, Dan. I can't believe. I know. I, mean, I know. There's plenty of this time. There's been enough time in, in level three or level two lockdown for for her to watch the whole thing to fully understand, have a full lesson. I think we've watched it many times together, and so yeah, outrageous, outrageous. Um, so th- there were so many cool moments too in those episodes, like in that in that very first episode. I, I found myself sort of making notes throughout each episode, mm-hmm. um, and just sort of thinking about like so many cool things. And so apart from like sort of when the, the opening credits kind of happened and it felt different and it felt darker, um, I definitely one of those, that, that big moment was when that timeline kind of got in sync. I was like, yes. But before that, I think the, I kind of seen this on, I, I think I'd seen it online through various pictures, but I didn't really click what it was. When um, Ahsoka comes back and you've got like a slightly older looking Obi-Wan, you've got like bushy hair, Anakin. It was so great to see them older. That's and right. then when... Um, Rex and the clones have got Ahsoka helmets. I was like, "Whoa, they've got Ahsoka helmets!" It's such a, such an awesome thing to happen. Particularly when all the clones are saluting her, and yeah, and even though she doesn't, you know, hold the rank of 
Padawan or Jedi or whatever. She's she's a, a member of the public. Indeed, and Mace Windu took no no time at all to remind her of that. He kind of cut it on the side. That was dark. That was dark. Um, but what you said about the opening um, of each of those four episodes with the old school green um, uh, Lucasfilm oh, yeah. limited production, yeah. and then and then bringing out the actual John Williams theme and making it feel like a movie they've never done that before with a with an animated show and then just quickly to skip to the end uh when the credits roll at the end it goes created by george lucas i love i love the respect they show by keeping that as the first credit that is shown as as the uh episode sort of um fades into credits i thought that was a uh, uh, really really good um but yeah look i had the same reaction to as you in terms of when it was um crossing over the timelines i was really surprised how early they did it as well, like um, as as different events from Revenge of the Sith had obviously occurred. And I knew we still had at least an episode and a half to go. I was thinking, what, how much more explore, unexplored territory are we going to get into here? And I thought, you know, Disney has a lot of critics for what they're doing with Star Wars, and I don't really want to talk about that now. But something that Disney has really impressed me with is their willingness to allow stories to be told that intertwine so closely with what already exists. I kind of imagine Dave Filoni going into the Disney management board meeting, getting down on one knee and pitching a story about a series finale that wraps itself around the fabric of Revenge of the Sith, including scenes from the movie and then adding more to those scenes in this show as they would have cut away from in the movie. And I guess it amazes me because... You know, just like more turning up in solo, these are the kinds of things that I, as a fanboy, would pitch. Um, and uh, but I would expect to just be shut down by Disney and sent down to the rancor below the below the floor or something. But they 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 seem to be on board. Oh, even 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 I think crossing a little bit into the Mandalorian. Um, like I think there's some stuff that happens in that episode which I didn't I hadn't previously made the connection that I was like, Oh, that's why that's happening in the Mandalorian. Like so for example, the uh the Mandal the Mandalore guards who had the they've got the custom kind of Darth Maul helmets yes. and stuff. Yes. And and we've seen some of those types of characters in the in the Mandalorian and it, it all makes sense. It's all kinda of coming together. A group of people uh who I think are under the command for want of a better word of a guy pablo hidalgo at lucasfilm story group who keep everything in order across all the platforms whether it's a game whether it's a comic whether it's an animated show a movie a book so there's events that occur in a book uh, called ahsoka by ek johnson great read by the way that that tie in with this episode and that book was written like four years ago and it talks about how more is uh, being held by force rays which you know and so it kind of all ties in nicely. It's just incredible. Not to mention so many of this, well, not so many, but a few of the scenes in there even pay homage to what actually happened in The Rise of Skywalker when you've got Ahsoka holding the ship with the Force. Um, yes. She's stopping. And, you know, that's the exact thing that Ray did in Rise of Skywalker. And it's it's a really cool way to start to bring together the universe and uh, as you say i like the idea that there's there's librarians guardians who are kind of mm. have this whole architecture together and i think that's what makes this universe so cool and i i like it when they start to cross over it's, that's a really good point i hadn't picked up on that with the when she, when ahsoka was holding Maul's ship just like ray was and i guess that's something that has kind of it was actually explored in non-canon wasn't it in uh was it the force unleashed when Star Killer could bring down a Star Destroyer, yeah, you're right. and you're so right. they they haven't quite gone to that level, but they certainly uh, are exploring new, you know, just like the Force healing, um, which, by the way, you can use on snakes. Um, it's been uh, you know, really good that they've sort of <laughs> tied those things together. But um, just to just to finish off my other point, I do love the trust that's been put in Dave Filoni. Same as with him and and John Favreau with the Mandalorian. These guys really get Star Wars, and I think they get the fans. And to be honest, I feel really confident about the future of this franchise uh, with people like that at the helm. Look, and I think we'd be doing a disservice not to mention it. Like we've now got um, Taika Waititi involved in a. A, a new Star Wars movie of, of some kind. We don't know Brilliant. much detail about it, but you know, obviously, awesome because he's a he's a New Zealander. Um, awesome because he did um, what I think is probably one of the the best episodes of The Mandalorian. We talked about that in yeah. uh, one of our episodes um, a while back, and it's it's so great to see that other people 
and other big fans and I think you know Dave Filoni is like he's he's passionate about it and he cares about it and I like to see when people aren't reckless with with this gift I guess and and they do they do good things with it because I think you know yeah we've had some bits that we don't like but in general there's so much to love and that's what makes it great and what you're saying no, sorry, go ahead. I was just say just quickly on Taika, that is a really big moment for New Zealand as well. I think we should acknowledge that. It's just the idea he's writing and directing a Star Wars movie. And the way he the way he announced it on social media is just classic as well. Like he, he basically just said, um, psych. I guess the rumors were true after all, you know, because there were so many rumors about it. And just it just that's just such a New Zealand way of uh, just announcing that to the world, yes, I am doing this. Just fantastic. Definitely. Definitely. Um, one thing that really stood out for me in these four episodes is how many, you know, like big, awesome, kind of like superhero moments there were. And not superhero in the corny way, but just like cool moves. Um, I Some of the ones that stood out for me particularly were when um, Ahsoka is like basically flying through the air as they're mm-hmm. heading towards Mandalore, um, landing on ships, bouncing around, landing with their lightsabers. Just it was just there were so many moments where I was like, "This is cool." This is did, cool. It, did it did it remind you a little bit of the the most recent game uh, Jedi uh, Fallen, Fallen Order? Order? Yeah, yeah, that kind of gameplay, right? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, again, like just another connection to how this universe is all all interconnected and I think the other thing I really enjoyed about it is we actually got to see Ahsoka obviously a little bit older a little bit more advanced almost kind of like more deadly deadly than ever and I think just kind of the there was those moments too where people are just like flipping backwards out of out of the spaceships as the doors open it was just it was very um SAS cool you know yeah I'm gonna mess some things up I think, um, again, there's also some really cool scenes, like I think when uh, Darth Maul's captured yes. um, and they've they've basically got him inside the, the that special Mandalore prison oh. for like, uh, almost yeah. like, a, like a carbonite type encasing, but not, not carbonite. And it kind of had a bit of a, a Silence of the Lambs homage to me, how they keep sort of zooming in on his eyes and it, yeah. I thought so exactly. I thought exactly the same thing when I saw him being essentially wheeled down the corridor. It was just like when they bring Han- Hannibal Lecter out, and um, you know the fact when they had the conversation with with Bo Katan about. I thought these boxes were illegal and had been outlawed, and she was like, "Yeah, they have been. This is the last one." And it was kind of that sort of um, feeling of, yeah, "Okay, yeah. if he get, if he gets out of this box, we're in trouble," uh, because you know, and, and obviously we know again, spoiler alert, that he does obviously get out because we see him later on I, I think too and i think this is the the really awesome thing about these last four episodes is i kind of expected to see more obi-wan and anakin but obviously like mm. we're not going to see them because this timeline is hap- happening concurrently to revenge of the sith when it catches up and that was actually cool because we didn't actually need any more stuff about them and i think it would have felt like if there was more Anakin Obi one time, we would have been almost kind of retconning in new parts of the story. But actually, what this gave us is a huge character who Ahsoka Tano, who we've who's never been referenced before, and now we kind of know why. And yeah, and I think you know, there's there's a lot to talk about with the with the final episode. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, for sure, and especially the final, probably the final scene, which we'll we'll, we'll probably should leave that to the end, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing too is, you know, this, uh, this is sort of the interesting thing, right? Like, I think Clone Wars and Rebels are, I think, initially, you know, from a, I would imagine, a, a boardroom point of view, like, we want to make some animated um, CGI Star Wars. We want to get a mm. new generation of young people involved in it. And just how quickly, you know, we've talked about this before, how dark the Clone Wars, the, the Clone Wars gets. Mm. And, you know, I've heard similar things with Rebels. And I think these four episodes are no exception. Like, there is some real dark stuff happening in some of these episodes. And actually seeing people lose limbs, yep. uh, people losing their arms and blast doors, like... And, and it's... And it's it's good because well it's obviously not good that these things happen but it's it's a good reminder of actually how like 
some of these things that are you know real life things in a in a space context are, are, are weapons themselves. Um, and uh, again, I think it just it really sort of set a more darker and adult tone. And it's you're actually closing some some loopholes and some stories for for your older generations of fans. Correct, and, and that's right. That's that's the loop, the, the the key loop in for the the older generation of fans who can see things either linking in or, or being mirrored, or and there's a sort of like a respect paid there. So, like one of the lines Ahsoka says is, "You'll find I'm full of many annoying qualities," or something like that. And that's mm-hmm. basically you know, an homage to Luke saying, "You'll find I'm full of surprises." Um, and a, a lot of the the more monologues were really really fantastic and played on that whole sort of phantom phantom menace because you know we, we lost him at the end of phantom menace and after we saw him kill qui-gon you know we we're all screaming right we want we want obi-wan to kill him because he's just killed one of our jello but we lost the character and then we got him back and so what we get now is the ability to find out that he didn't have as much visibility of Darth Sidious' master plan as we thought maybe he did and see he's sort of coming to learn what Order 66 is actually all about and what the greater the greater plan looks like and I think some of that was really really rewarding and actually shout out to Sam Witwer who does the voice of, of Maul in Clone Wars and Rebels yeah. and Solo and now again I think he's really owned that role and um, the, the character of Maul has grown on me more through the animation than he did in The Phantom Menace, which is interesting. I think you're right. I think more in The Phantom Menace is almost a, a, a ball of rage that's kind of been unleashed with not much dialogue. But I think through the Clone Wars, he's actually like, he's really articulate. He's really well considered. He's actually got a much more of a master plan. And that, um, that raw anger is almost turned down a little bit, which I think allows him to kind of be a, a slightly different character. I think uh, one of the other things that really stood out for me um, throughout these four episodes, and I, I think an angle which I, I really enjoyed on reflection is they really humanized the clones. Like at what, like the clones, the, the clones have always been a, a, a core of the, of the clone wars. And I think there's great, um, throwbacks and links to other sort of key episodes in the Clone Wars, like particularly talking about Fives and yes. um, what happens with the chip. I think showing the the, tu- the sort of turmoil and the of like when Order 66 happens and kind of what that actually, you know, does to the clones mentally, how even through all the actions that are taken in, in this final episode, like, you know, not using lethal force on any of the clones, like, basically using using the stun feature, not wanting to actually hurt them, not wanting to... And it was really powerful, because I, I think it it was... Uh, this is about the clones. They are they are, they are people, and it, it made them more human than I think... Yeah, I, I, I imagine it was sort of done with intent, but it kind, of, it kind of caught me by surprise a little bit, I guess. No, you're absolutely right about the the humanizing. And there was that really, really nice moment when at, at the end, when Ahsoka takes Rex's helmet off, and you know he, you can see that he's got a, a tear coming down his face, mm. um, you know, for his fallen brothers. You know, even though they've turned on him because of Order sixty six, it wasn't their fault. You know, uh, they were they were used in that regard. So, yeah, the humanization of them was 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 really poignant. And I think. Yeah, the Clone Wars, they, they did play a, a huge part of this whole series. And um, when you go back to watch the full season seven, there's a, there's a, the first few episodes to really touch on that. So I think that'll be something else you'll enjoy. But in these four episodes, some of the battle scenes with these clones were top-notch, the, the like of which the, the, the excitement level, the intensity, we haven't seen that in, in some time. And so it was uh, yeah, really, really good to see that. And also on the subject of Rex, like you said, when he said, I'll oh, find fives, that was great because it was you know, it calls back to that brilliant story we had in the Lost Missions of season six, um, and so it's really tying everything together and gives sort of some explanation as to why what happened happened and why some clones were able to be saved in the end, not that many. <laughs> yeah, and I think to the link to that, there's a really awesome scene where um, Rex is basically saying to Ahsoka, "You're going to need to kill the clones," and Ahsoka's just like. I, I don't care that the ship's crashing. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kill them. Like it's. It, it was. It was really, really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's. I think too. I just, I know there's a there's a few people out there who have started Clone Wars and kind of got a bit sick of it and um, haven't sort of gone all the way. I think if if at any point you you've enjoyed Clone Wars, and you you'd be interested to know what kind of happens to Ahsoka, what happens to the clones, like jump into those four episodes because if anything, it'll probably get you excited to actually go back and watch more. It, it really will, and I've I've actually made that recommendation to a, a brother-in-law of mine recently around. You know, I think it was you who actually suggested you could just sort of watch the last episode of season one and then jump straight into season two. You know, mm-hmm. if, 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 you, if you're not sure you want to commit to the whole thing, um, but those last four episodes, I feel like the last four episodes are for everyone, and I'd love to see it released as a as a feature length. You know, all four episodes tied together uh, with the opening they've got. You know, it could make a, like a, a really good bookend to the series because they started the series in 2008 with that feature length movie, which played at cinemas. Um, and I, you know, I think if you play those two back to back, if you just watch the first movie and then the last four episodes, just the jump A in quality of animation, B, oh, yeah. the story, yeah. the, just, there's just no comparison whatsoever. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on with this, these four episodes that really stood out for me was the, the crossovers and just the little things they were doing. And it's always about the little things that really bring a smile to my face. So the scene where we see more. Uh, representing Crimson Dawn, and he's talking to to Dryden Voss from Solo, and some of the others from the, the Syndicate. A really nice touch, setting up the story that we're going to see play out in Solo, sort of bringing that into the universe. And presumably, we'll see more of that one day when they make Solo Two or give us a TV series, because we're going to keep putting the pressure on Disney to do that. And in the end, the fans will win. Um, and the other crossover that stood out for me was. Um, I'm one with the force and the force with me. I'm one with the force and the force with me from Sheru, from a great character from Rogue One. You know, that was a really nice moment. Um, you know, the Gardens of the Wheels has been explored in a book. We've seen it in Rogue One. And so it's a really nice touch to include Ahsoka saying that it just ties things together, just the little things like that. And I, I, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, I'm on, I'm on with the force and the force of the me. Such a great line. And I feel like considering we've just had um, May the 4th, and I feel like I've heard that line everywhere on social media. So it's such a, a gr- not that this was done to tie into social media, but as you say, just an, another connecting component. And I think what this has really done for me is it's really, like I've been just loving Ahsoka Tano as a character. And this has just sealed the deal for me as one of my, one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Um, just everything about her, the the way she's sort of grown as a character, tier one for me. I agreed. And I think if the rumours are true, it looks as if Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. Uh, mm. And even possibly there's been other rumours, and you know, you've got to be careful what you read and what you believe, but possibly a standalone live-action Ahsoka series, which would just be, I can't even believe how, how fantastic that could potentially be. So I guess we'll, we won't spend too long on that, because who knows, it could just be all all rubbish on the internet, right? And I, I think this is the interesting, like, I know we want to talk about this final episode, um, and I know that this is meant to be the last um, season of The Clone Wars, but uh, I kind of, and I feel bittersweet about this. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more Clone Wars because I think there's so many interesting characters to kind of play with. And I guess you you could make a choice about, you know, we talk about the Ahsoka Tano TV show, live live action. It actually could be equally as good to have a, another animated series purely based around Ahsoka, um, either set between um, Clone Wars and and Rebels or Mandalorian or um, you know there, there's so many options there and I, I feel like we've we've had the missing files now we've had the um, the final season and you yeah. kind of see things on the internet that they uh, they it's the end but it's maybe not the end and I think for me like I think we've actually had we've had enough of the Clone Wars it'd be good to start moving into into other areas. Yeah, no, I agree. And look, I would be really surprised if we saw more. I would love it if we did, but it does feel like it's a really good place to have ended it. They've ended it properly now. We'll talk about the ending shortly, but uh, no, I would I would be surprised. I think the characters in a different timeline uh, in the future, yes, I think so. So um, 
Uh, I want to pick up on something you mentioned earlier um, because it was also something that struck me and that was the music. And so again, another shout out, Kevin Kleiner, the, the composer of the music for Clone Wars. Some of the themes that he explores and uses in these episodes are really, really good. And just like how the music in The Mandalorian is quite unique and quite different to anything we've heard traditionally in Star Wars before, it's the same here. It's kind of got a, it kind of reminded me of like a Blade Runner type feel. And even my 10-year-old son turned to me while we were watching this at one point, and I, I can't remember when, but he sort of said, the music's pretty cool, eh? And I've never, ever heard him comment on any music in anything before. <laughs> and even he picked up on it, and I just thought that was a really, a really great moment. It was fantastic music. And one other thing I want to talk about before we go into the finale is, and this is kind of a negative thing, but it's not, it's not a big one, but I did spot it, and I wondered if you did. In the trailer, we see Ahsoka say, oh, it's been a while, Master. Now, for us as fans, the last time we saw Ahsoka and Anakin talking, we're going back six, seven years. And so it has been a long while and it feels great. And that's what the reaction to the trailer was so big because it's been a while. But in the context of the universe, we pick up Ahsoka's story pretty much straight after we see her at what we thought was the original ending of The Clone Wars. It pretty much picks up from when she left the Jedi Order and, and you know she's on her way. And then all of a sudden she's like within a short space of time contacting Anakin and it's like it's been a while master and she, you know Anakin's reaction in real time should probably have been well actually it's only been two weeks and so when he sort of tells the clones and the clones are all like oh wow let's paint our helmets it's actually like not enough time has actually passed and I just thought I think why well, they've done it because it's for the fans it feels like it has been a long time for the fans but if I'm getting a little bit too geeky here and I'm already regretting going down this path. But if you look at the timeline of the Star Wars universe from the moment we last see Anakin and Ahsoka together to the moment she's contacting him saying it's been a while, I'm thinking it's probably been about two weeks max. So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> oh, see, I would have thought, like, because what are we talking, like, time-wise between, uh, it would be a few more months, surely, when you think about Attack of the Clones to... Revenge of the Sith. Like, what are we? What are we roughly talking? Like, but this this movie is this whole series is between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, right? So, yeah. oh, look, okay. I guess I guess I should do my research before yeah. I come on the podcast. But yeah, anyway, it's 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 a, it's a minor thing. I just thought it was quite funny, but it, it works well for the audience because emotionally it has been a while. And so I think I'm fine with it, really. <laughs> but you're but you're not fine. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to back into myself into a corner. Unless, shall we get into the final, into the finale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so the the final scene, basically, um, I guess was kind of in, in two parts. I think so. Obviously, um, Rex, um, I guess laying to rest his clone brothers, uh, putting their burying them, putting their their helmets on sticks, which were again reminded me so much of the the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, Ahsoka basically giving up her like dropping her lightsaber on the ground. So again, sort of a you know a, a pretty important thing you know considering what happened in in the last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Um, but just I think that was sort of a a really um, important moment in her being like I'm. I'm not a part of this. And I think because they've had, they had a whole bunch of quite deep moments throughout the, throughout the four episodes where both Rex and Ahsoka talked about the whole time they've either been a soldier or, or a Jedi. It's, it's, it's been about war and none of it has been about peace or none of it has been about some of the things which um, I think deep down Ahsoka thought the, the Jedi order meant. And so I, I thought that was, that was pretty powerful. Um, before we go on to the next bit, do you want to have any thoughts on, yeah, there was a couple of things. Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, that those scenes, uh, and before we go into the final scene, th those those scenes within that episode were absolutely terrific. Really emotional. Uh, the way they had to deal with get the, the the other clones who were obviously intent on killing Ahsoka, and sort of uh, you know Order sixty six is clearly clicked in for all of them, and Rex is trying to sort of buy some time by sort of saying, yeah, but isn't Order 66 about killing the Jedi and she's no longer with the Jedi Order, so we probably shouldn't kill her. It was kind of, you know, a really, I thought, minor sort of humour uh, attempt to sort of buy some time and then the droids, um, you know, start playing with the floor and the clones disappear. One of those droids, by the way, um, very, very reminiscent to Chopper 
uh, from Rebels made some very similar noises. And his name I saw in the credits was Cheap and was voiced by Dave Filoni, who also did. Yeah, I saw that. Mm. That, was, that was a nice moment. But um, yeah, that, that whole scene, uh, Maul's escaped. Um, yeah, it was a really, I mean, some of the action in that scene in terms of the escape and the battle reminded me uh, of, um, I think, scenes from Rogue One, certainly Maul when he was cutting down clones with the force left, right and center, that was vicious. And like you said before, really, really brutal. Um, but let's, let's stick with the finale. Let's, let's, let's dive into the, the, the final moments. So, yeah, so awesome to see in, in that final moment, um, finally getting to see Darth Vader um, on screen for the, for the first time. And obviously the Clone Wars, because we're, we're obviously time skipped quite a bit now past the end of um <laughs> past the end of Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. I was like, Return of the Sith? I'm like, oh my god, who am I? I, I need to get out. I need to check myself. I I'm done now. Yeah. Um past Revenge of the Sith and enough time that obviously so with the final scene of Anakin looking at the the clone trooper helmet mm-hmm. and I think um, and, and finding, I guess, Ahsoka's lightsaber. That gave me so much closure and so much I want to talk about. See, what you just said there, I just really want to quickly pick up on, you You called him Anakin. And I think that's quite poignant because that was how I saw the scene as well. We see Vader and we see him pick up the lightsaber and there's that moment where um, he looks up and you can see through his red lenses, mm, you, can. you can actually see his eyes. And there's something about the stare in the eyes that feels very much like Anakin. And I guess because we've only ever really seen Vader's eyes a couple of brief times. Oh, there's that. good in him. There's good in him if you look yeah. for it. <laughs> there is. You'd be, you'd be surprised what happens in a few movies' time. Um, but it's it's not um, – where was I going with that? Yeah, so it, it felt like Anakin because when Vader walks away from that clone – helmet with you know the one with the Ahsoka design painted on it and we can see the reflection of him the pace at which Vader can be seen walking away in that reflection is notably notably slower than Vader's normal walk normally he's got a purposeful brisk walk you know Vader easily gets his 10,000 steps in before lunch but in this final magical last scene he's walking away slowly and I would almost say somberly uh, because he's remembering his friend, his, his prodigy. And that's how you end a TV show. That's great. Oh, and I, I think so. What's so great about this scene is this basically shows that when he became, when Anakin became Darth Vader, he continued his search for Ahsoka. And, you know, like, like when you when you think about it, like I think um, Anakin was never never happy about parting ways with Ahsoka and I think in a different time if Ahsoka could have been could have been turned to the dark side or Ahsoka could have you know yep. helped to turn him back but it it really demonstrated to me that um he wanted to find her he still she was still important to him and he obviously dedicated a lot of imperial time to finding her and tracking her down and seeing seeing the the crash ship the helmet her lightsaber kind of i think obviously made him realize that she was she was dead um i i feel i feel like you're right i feel like you're right but if i was being true canon police and the the geek that I am, that my wife loves, which is why she married me. Um, I feel like there's a number of assumptions you've made there because we don't know that he was looking for her. He, this could have been something completely separate and he happened to find her. I feel like you're right, but I wonder, and I'm so excited because I'm convinced there's going to be books and comics about it and I can't wait to read them. I would love to see it be a, a TV show, of course, but um, yeah, he, he finds so, he's looking for her, right? Yeah, I, I, in, in my in my heart of hearts, that, that's what I believe. Yeah. I believe their their relationship was so close, and I think because of where their relationship ended, and she she was, a, you know, a grey Jedi. For you know, I'm jumping forward into different different things now. Mm. Um, he probably thought he could actually like look come under my wing, come on, come into the dark side, yep. and. Uh, 
And I think too, the, there's something else we need to talk about in that in that final scene of when Anakin Vader looks up and he sees that bird in the sky. Yeah. What's that about? What, I didn't know what to read into that other than to give us the opportunity to see him looking up and for us to see his eyes. I didn't know whether we were supposed to read something more into that or not, but it was quite poignant. Well, Paul, strap yourself in because we're oh. going back to school. So, <laughs> okay. so look, I don't know whether it's just super fresh for me having you know, watched six seasons of this over the last, I don't know, month or something um but remember i think it was in the end of season four and uh and i feel like i need to pass you the geek hat right now this is great i love <laughs> i love being school at the end of season four where basically anakin kind of has the premonition that he's going to become vader um, and then it's all kind of it all gets erased from his mind yeah. but he basically is dealing with those um I'm not going to use the proper terms because I'm not really prepared to have this conversation. Half measure of you know the 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 brother and the sister and the good the good and evil and kind of the um, a force user kind of has like a you know like, like a yeah. spirit animal as such. Yeah. And you know there's the I, I think the the interesting thing about the the bird at the end is it could mean so many different things. But the thing that it most meant to me is that. You know, so we, it, it was like the, the, the bird, I think was the, the symbol of, there's still kind of good, there's still good left in Anakin, or there's still, there, like, there was still a glimmer of something else. And I think because the, the spirit animal, which seems like a whole mm. crazy concept to bring into the Star Wars universe, I think it linked back to those, those episodes. And it was trying to, trying to make that play that either some good still existed or, I'm not really doing doing myself any favors of describing this, but I think that 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 was the connection for me of how it all kind of tied together, and and the whole force is a balance of good good and bad, or good and good and evil. And I think the 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 weird um, puppet bird Star Wars character represented that good. I feel like listeners around the globe right now are sitting back in their armchair and nodding slowly at the wise wisdom coming from you. Uh, I, I really like that. I, I hadn't thought about it that deeply, clearly. I just thought that we were just going to get a, an opportunity to see him look up into the sky, but you've done a lot of thinking and I, I really like that. It was. Uh, I'm not even sure whether what I said makes sense. I feel like I kind of just went crazy ramble for a couple yeah, of minutes. I, I, sure. I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, look, that's that whole scene. Um, I want to just take us back to the start of that scene when we have the time jump. I love the fade of the scene. So we've got Ahsoka there. She drops her lightsaber and she's looking up at the sky thoughtfully and pondering. And then as it fades, we see the Imperial shuttle landing and the whole place is covered in snow. And we see the snow troopers. We see the Imperial probe droids. We see all those things that we recognize from Empire Strikes Back. And we know without any visual you know, sort of confirmation required, even though we get it that we have jumped forward and um, I thought it was a really good fade. I think so the, the my, my one other final thought about that that final scene, which I think from a, you might argue with me on this from a, a, a canon storytelling point of view, but I think Ahsoka dropping her lightsaber and in a sense retiring really tidies up the storyline for me of like where the hell is Ahsoka um, during the rest of through a new hope, through Empire Strikes yeah. Back, through yeah. um, through Return of the Jedi, and I think it's it really kind of like you know is actually she's she she's turned her back on this. This this isn't her life anymore. This isn't her story, and it's it's the, that's the reason she's not there. She had she had other stuff to work out, other stuff to go away and think about, other stuff to explore. And I think that's where, as a character, there's so much interesting stuff to explore with her that, but at the same time, made me feel okay that she's not in in the the middle three movies. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And the retirement is probably a, a good angle. Certainly she goes into some sort of exile or some sort of hiding um, and... Clearly, if she is coming back into the Mandalorian, as the rumors uh, are, um, you know she's she survived and has a, a a long a long lifespan in that respect. Um, no, look, 
it's just a fantastic way for her to end her story. And after the way the Clone Wars ended, when we thought it ended, you know, a few years back, this is this is just a really nice moment for fans of the show. And anyone who is a Star Wars fan, as I've said about thirty times now, would love these last four episodes. And I think that's the thing, right? Like, I don't know after watching those four episodes how the Clone Wars could have ended anyway, but the way it ended, mm. like. Like anything that wasn't what we just saw wasn't right. And right. so so this this always should have been the end. This right. is what we needed. This was perfect. We love you, Dave Filoni. We do. We we follow him on all social media and hope that one day he'll reply to us and include us in the story writing process for the Mandalorian season two. Well or three. clearly clearly from my mad ramblings, I, he's definitely gonna have me fact checking with the um the fabric team. Who holds all the the library knowledge? Correct. We're the, we're the canon police in that respect, I think. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if we can say anything more about it. Ten out of ten, loved it. Ten out of ten, and look at IMDb. All the ratings across the board are all 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 going nine point nine, which I think is as high as you can get. I don't think anything ever rates as a ten. Um, we've said it enough times, guys. Go and watch this if you haven't already seen it. It's really good. Cool. So I guess that brings us to the end of a, another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does indeed. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to join the likes of Ricky Gervais and get on the get on board with Twitter at Half Measures Pod or Instagram at Half Measures Podcast. And until then, Dan, I'll let you uh, close us up. Yeah. Look, don't forget to use the mailbag. It would be great to you know, get an actual physical letter. Like in the in the mailbox, or that would be good. We don't have a mailbox, a, a tweet, or you can even leave a voicemail on the on the anchor website. We've got all the all the platforms. But yeah, until next week, um, stay safe, look after yourself. We'll see Thanks. you next time. Thanks for listening, and uh, take care. Wait, Paul. Wait. wait. Oh no! no I thought I got away with it. No, we haven't. We haven't talked about Fast and the Furious this week. What's going on? We haven't talked about Star Trek. I'll tell you something. The Fast and the Furious, I, I was walking past my wife um, a couple of days ago and she was on her phone adding movies to a watch list. And I don't normally look at her device, but I was like, what the hell are you doing? And she was looking at the Fast and the Furious. So uh, if this is your doing, if she's listening to this podcast, and I think she might be, uh, then that's something I'm going to have to watch out for. I would, do you know what I would love? Is I would love to, you know... Get Diana watching Fast and the Furious, the first movie, and let, let's let's do a, a review. Okay. Obviously, it's going to be ten out of ten, and uh, get her on the podcast. Let's have a chat. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys, and take care. <laughs> See you guys.